The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one, welcome all. The outside weather finally says fall. It is the latest edition of Monday Football Monday, the best show on the SB Nation NFL show. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review the SB Nation NFL show wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to everybody else, but make sure you listen to Monday Football Monday. Maybe once, maybe twice, maybe three times. Uh, that's what all the cool kids do. I'm RJ Ochoa from bloggingtheboys.com. With me today, the one, the only, the debonair, the handsome, some might say, Pete Tweedy from arrowheadpride.com. Michael Kist, our fantastic third leg of our tripod, is not with us here. Uh, he's hopefully going to be back with us next week. We're thinking of you, Kist. We love you, buddy. And uh, we'll be sure to give some love to the Tennessee Titans in your honor. Pete, how goes it? How you doing on this fine Monday? We are certainly missing Kiss, but we're going to do the best we can. Was that a poem at the beginning? It was. Um, Did you write a Monday Football Monday poem? It was kind of um, a haiku. Although, hmm. if, I'm, if I'm being honest, I've... I've never understood what a haiku is. You right. I mean, like it's it's I see like all the time, like at the end of stuff. I really couldn't like describe what a haiku is to you, if I'm being honest. Yeah, Peter King tends to use the haiku in his column, has done so for years. I couldn't tell you what it is either. I know that I'd certainly learned it in elementary school. I was actually a little bit more of a fan of the limerick. Mm. I, I like uh, a limerick. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Peter King. Obviously you're you're Pete, um, Peter, whatever you want to go by. I don't use the R. Right. Because uh, you, let, you let me have it. You know, so I've got the R and the mm-hmm. J. Sure. Um, but you are Pete and you're wearing, uh, I can see you, nobody else can, but you're going to have to just imagine a, a really right. handsome man wearing red and black flannel. And uh, you mentioned another Peter. Do you remember the old show Pete and Pete on Nickelodeon? Of course. Of and, course. Double Pete. And they they had one of them. I think I believe the elder Pete had like a, a flannel red and black kind of lumberjack hat. So I don't know if this is your road to uh, to your namesake, perhaps. Well, I'll just got to find myself another Pete. I, I I do like the Pete name. I'm not a huge fan of Peter. And there's plenty of Peters. There's Peter Schrager, Peter King, Cottontail. Right, Cottontail. <laughs> it is. We're almost at that season. Uh, I'm trying to pave the way for Pete's in NFL media, and so I'm going to do the best I can. 
Well, shout out to um, to my favorite Pete Sweeney. Of course, you can see him all the time at arrowheadpride.com. We are going to talk about the latest and the greatest Pete in the world of the National Football League. Uh, we were kind of putting together our rundown, said what games are we going to talk about. And while we were doing that, holy crap, the mm. game of the season unfolded <laughs> on Sunday night football. The Arizona Cardinals outlasting the Seattle Seahawks in overtime. Not one, but two Zane Gonzalez field goals it took to get the dub. 37-34 to Pete. If you are unaware, they did show this on the broadcast. This was the first game in NFL history where each quarterback had 300 passing yards and 50 rushing yards. Russ cooked. However, he was like uh, an episode of Bobby Flay, um, beat Bobby Flay, that is, where Bobby loses, and he lost to Kyler Murray. What a game we saw on Sunday night. Yeah, I recently got into the Great British Bake Off on Netflix. Highly recommend. Oh, you are way of, behind, my friend. Yeah, a lot of cooking going on on that. Uh, better than Russ did on Sunday night. I finished up Chiefs coverage with my late game, and this game was in the third quarter. And I get up early on Mondays. So I kept looking at the clock in the t- Central Time Zone. And I was like, I, I got to get up tomorrow. So when I was flipping back and forth to the World Series, I mean, there was a lot of action going on in this moment of time. Yeah. I can only imagine what it was for East Coast football fans just to be up. It must have been, what, 3 a.m. by the time this game finished. Uh, this game was so good that Chris Collinsworth was laughing during the fourth quarter in overtime as things were happening. Like, it was so joyous to Collinsworth because of just the back and forth and really how improbable it was that the Cardinals came back in this game. This was not a game for defenses. They combined over 1,050 net yards. However, there were some great defensive plays that we should note on the Cardinals' side. Uh, apparently, eighth overall pick linebacker Isaiah Simmons had played just five snaps before that key interception to set up the win in overtime. You don't have to get ready if you stay ready, a- yeah. as they say. And and Simmons, that was exactly what he was able to do on Sunday night. Patrick Peterson, this was his second game with DK Metcalf and that assignment, and he pretty much shut him down again. Last time it was zero catches and one ball thrown Metcalf's way. This was two catches on five targets for 23 yards. Of course, Metcalf had that long overtime touchdown called back due to what was holding. But still, that was 69 yards less than what was his lowest output of the season, previously 92 yards in New England. So Metcalf, an up-and-comer, and Peterson just still showing who's the old man, who's boss. Another Peter, by the way, uh, to a degree, of course. But yeah, DK Metcalf, I'm a fan um, of logic in in moments like the overtime penalty I hate when like a play like that happens and you see the flag and, and the description happens and it's on the other side of the field you know what I mean like right that, that's one of those moments where it's like okay that that directly impacted the result um Cliff Kingsbury obviously the winning head coach in this game albeit well we're gonna get into the icing thing but um he talked about how high schools will forever show the video of DK Metcalf chasing down Buda Baker uh on the interception I'm just gonna say you you know, DK Metcalf, like a month ago, had the boneheaded, you know, trying to celebrate before I get into the end zone moment right. that Trayvon Diggs popped out. So let's not act like, you know, like DK Metcalf. I mean, it was an incredible feat of athleticism. I don't want to take away from that. Um, and it should be shown to a lot of people. It was really fantastic. And that ultimately kept this game alive longer considering the Cardinals ultimately won. I saw someone had dubbed the Rocky music over Metcalf that we're Rocky and Apollo Creed are running on the beach that whatever song that is they played that as he I think he reached like 22 miles an hour second on a tackle this year that was a forever memory RJ I mean you talk to me in 10 years and as good as this game was I don't know who what the score is I don't know who won the game I don't know the name of the kicker as insane as that might sound Uh, what I will recall is seeing Metcalf 
chase down Buda Baker. And bigger than that, the Cardinals end up going for it on fourth down. I know you and analytics guys love it, right? Fourth to three, let's go for it, even though we're down two scores and it's so early. Why they do that, who knows? But it saved the touchdown. That's what's so crazy about it. I mean, B- Baker was gone. Yeah. He's a defensive back. He's going for the end zone. And somehow Matt Calf ca- catches up to him and saves seven points because of that boneheaded decision, in my opinion. So good on Metcalf. That is a forever moment in the National Football League. Again, you don't remember the details of games down the line. You'll remember that play forever, I think. Well, I will go ahead and plant this flag now. Again, we do miss you, Michael Kist. But DK Metcalf, while in a losing effort, is the official yeet of the oh, week no. here on the SB Nation NFL you know, show. Incredible you know, come hustle. To, no podcast, no yeet, as far as I'm it, concerned. I'm, I'm just going to say. That should be the the law. I so let's let's talk about the icing thing, the non icing, however you want to refer to it, is Pete sips his ice cold coffee. Arizona in overtime gets a chance. Offense is moving, is grooving. They're going hurry up. No defensive substitutions, all that jazz, and they get an opportunity to kick what would have been the game winning field goal. Obviously, incredible footage from NBC to show one of the assistant coaches letting Cliff Kingsbury know, "Hey, dude, play clock's about to run out. Call a timeout." So Cliff Kingsbury does this, calls a timeout. Zane Gonzalez kicks what would have been a successful game-winning field goal, um, goes at it again after the timeout, and misses it. Now, Pete, I don't know if you remember, again, I cover the Dallas Cowboys, and that is right. really the world as far as I'm concerned. It was nine years ago that Jason Garrett, through a similar sequence of events, inadvertently iced his own kicker in Dan Bailey in that very same stadium. I believe it was University of Phoenix Stadium at the time. Cliff Kingsbury, not even the first guy to ice his own kicker in the building. Thankfully, they did ultimately wind up winning the game by way of a Zane Gonzalez field goal. This was the game of the season so far. Just the, the end was that crazy. Can always count on you for the weird stats. So thank you for that, RJ. Yeah, I mean, the only time you want to ice yourself is when you're making margaritas. I mean, you want to put a, a couple extra cubes in there. Love on the rocks. Make sure it's nice and cold. Uh, they were lucky to win. That would have been embarrassing and a gaffe that people would have talked about it. I'm sure you used the meme of Cliff hanging out in his bungalow during the draft and just a little too casual with the play clock. Um, I want to ha- actually just note this, though, about uh, Seattle receiver Tyler Lockett, who exploded in this game, looked like a superstar. The signature play to me was the catch in the back left corner of the end zone in the fourth quarter where he drags his feet in. That should have been the game. It wasn't, obviously, with the Seahawks losing. 15 catches, 200 yards, three touchdowns, or in other words, a fantasy dream. Sorry to all those fantasy players who are playing Lockett this week. Lockett. Uh, has two games this season with three receiving touchdowns. He is the first player to have multiple games with three receiving touchdowns since Doug Baldwin last did it for the Seattle Seahawks in 2015. Dougie B, it definitely leads us to our most important moment that we do each week, and that's the come up of the week. A local guy, Kansas State, every man a wildcat. Uh, he is now in the Elite Receivers Club, top 10, probably can go as far as top five, and whatever, I'll buy it. Uh, And then on the other side, another reminder of what were the Texans and Bill O'Brien, who's no longer with them, probably for this reason, doing in trading DeAndre Hopkins. It makes no sense. No one should ever trade him. There are certain players in the league that are just so good. I I saw it in my own division that I cover with Khalil Mack. That was another guy that was playing so well. Um, Unreal trades that you sometimes see. And Hopkins, it just it does not make sense in my little brain. Um, Seattle offered to me a grand lesson that you see, I think, all the time and even dating back to the Thursday Night Football NFC least game. Stay aggressive with the lead. 
Stay aggressive with the lead. Three straight Carlos Hyde runs. Your offense is good. Russ, is, Russ has been cooking and getting first downs all night. Get the first down and go win the football game. That's the analytics I believe in, not the going for it when you have three points on the board. RJ, one last thing about this game uh, that bothered me. This was almost a tie game. The NFL needs to do something about this before it ruins what is a classic game. If that game would have finished in a tie, that would have been the oh, biggest yeah. NFL travesty in about 10 years. They got to change the overtime in some in some way. I don't know why they shortened it. That's not helping either that you're getting close to these ties. It seems like it's about five minutes short than what it should be. Just put the time back. I understand you're looking at player health. Look, you're playing during a pandemic. Uh, do you really care enough about player player health? Give me the five minutes of overtime. Uh, in case anybody is unaware, Pete has been championing changing overtime since the 2018 AFC Championship Correct. game. I on, on the subject of championing player health, uh, we found out just before we started recording that the NFL is not expected to suspend Washington linebacker John Bostick for the just incredibly dirty hit he had on Andy Dalton. We're not going to get into that game. It was not worth talking about, but yeah. uh, really, really, really unfortunate there. You mentioned Tyler Lockett. I'm glad that you did. He is a poet, I believe. You, you gave me a kudos for for starting this right. off with a poem. He he has some published poetry. Um, just an incredible performance, an incredible game. Shout out to the NFC West. Uh, might send all four teams if, if things break that way. It is possible with the added wildcard spot. We will see. I love that. I hope I hope so. All te- all all of those teams deserve to be playoff teams. Well, so Seattle was undefeated entering that game, Pedro. However, they did not leave that game with a perfect record. But the only team in the NFL that did leave Week 7 with an undefeated mark, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the matchup of the undefeateds, the rescheduled game, the narratives, the drama, the two-point conversions, Mm. the 12-men on the field, genius moves from Mike Vrabel. It wasn't enough. The Pittsburgh Steelers outlasting the Tennessee Titans 27-24. You mentioned games ending in a tie, how... Sucky that can feel. Steven Gostkowski had a chance to send this thing to overtime himself. Ultimately did not get it done. The Steelers, are they the best team in the AFCP? I think they are right now. Hard to argue that until you have a team that is able to deal them a loss. I think this is why you love football. This was just as important as a game as Cardinals Seahawks. And it's the same sport, but it was almost a completely different game given Roethlisberger and Tannehill, they're good, but they're they are big lugs compared to Murray and Wilson. It showed. They're not dynamic runners. Uh, they're static. They're unexciting, but they get the job done. Uh, it took a long roundabout way to get there, but the Steelers were the better team and, and looked the part in my mind by the end of it. The Steelers outgained Tennessee 362 to 292, were better on third down and found offensive success early. The Titans allowed the Steelers to convert their first seven third downs and could not dig out of that hole. We had made this comment about the Titans before on the podcast. They were just winning too many close games. They came into this one having won four of their first five by coming back in the final two minutes of regulation or overtime, which is fine until you run into a good team and you mentioned it and this is always a tough thing for me to to swallow a former come up of the week winner fell back down um steven gaskowski missed from 45 with 14 seconds to go after making from 51 earlier in the game uh, so unfortunately the fall down of the week goes to the ghostest with the mostest or perhaps the leastest uh, there was a sub goat here though the loss was partly Tannehill's fault because he had intentional grounding with like right. a minute left and that set Guskowski back I, in your in your psyche of being a kicker. You're on the sidelines. You're like, I can make it from that. And all of a sudden you get 10, 10 yards and a down added to that. It, it did not 
lead to good mojo for the Titans. I think that a lot of people are going to be quick to, especially given what has happened to them over the last month or so, poo-poo the Titans. See, told you they weren't an elite team. Tannehill's not an elite quarterback, whatever the case may be. This game, I think, played out the way it should have. Like This game played out with with both teams being the best versions of themselves, which is ultimately what you want to see. I think the Steelers are just a little bit better. I think Mike Tomlin's a little bit of a better coach. That's that's maybe too incremental. I think he's a better coach than Mike Vrabel, and that's no disrespect to to Coach Vrabel, but this was fun, and and this, it it had the look. I mean, it had like the overcast kind of just perfect look. This is exactly what you want for these two teams. Right. It it was a a great game. Um, Unfortunate, you know, you never want to see it end in a missed field goal. You, You want the drama of a make um but i have a feeling we'll see this this matchup again or an intense matchup just like this these are without question two of the four best teams in the afc is that fair to say uh yes. with kansas city and baltimore buffalo has certainly shown signs of regression we'll touch on that later i i feel like we didn't respect what the Steelers did last season enough Um, I know that Mike Tomlin was kind of chatted about for coach of the year and stuff but that defense is so good nobody had really done been able to to limit or inhibit Tennessee at all and they did and I think they deserve a lot of credit I do think they're the best team in the AFC at the moment but that does change week to week other points from this game, Deontay Johnson, a little bit of a coming out party with a two-touchdown game. No come up of the week, though. No, no. That's Tyler Lockett, a local guy. It was good to see <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster again with nine catches for 85 yards. I feel like we haven't seen a ton from Juju this year. TJ Watt had three tackles for loss. Only the Watt brothers uh, tackled for loss, uh, it seems to me. You saw the difference in the Titans' offense when they were getting the ball into the hands of Derrick Henry. I think they waited too long to get him involved. I understand that they were down early, but that's the key to your offense. If you can have Derrick Henry cooking, then that makes things easier for Ryan Tannehill. And it just seems like they got him involved too late. You saw the difference in the second half as they came back. A.J. Brown, when he's healthy, so good. 153 yards and a touchdown this game. Corey Davis also had a touchdown. My final note from this game, RJ, the Steelers are 6-0 and for the first time since 1978. Night Fever and Staying Alive by the Bee Gees were the two top two of the top five songs of, of that year. The Steelers went seven and zero that year before winning the Super Bowl against who? The Dallas Cowboys in the, the Orange Dallas Bowl. Cowboys, baby. The Steelers. So on their way back to when they were able to defeat the Cowboys. Love that. I love that when that's part of the show, a fact like that. I will say uh, a fun fact about me. It is my belief that that Super Bowl, Super Bowl thirteen, is the greatest collection of talent to ever be on a single field at any given time. Um, obviously, you've got two Hall of Fame coaches and Chuck Knoll and Tom Landry. You've got Roger Staubach. You've got Terry Bradshaw. You've got the Steel Curtain. You've got Tony Dorsett. You've got, I mean, the whole crew, the whole kit and caboodle. If you're unaware, Pete, that is the Super Bowl that Jackie Smith. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the highlight in NFL history sliding down drops the perfect pass from Roger the Dodger. Thanks for bringing that up today, man. Not like anything was going bad with the Cowboys these days. Hard for me to believe the most talented could be on the field at the same time without Patrick Mahomes being in the game. Alas, I, I can understand why you would say that. Just saying, last time the Pittsburgh Steelers were 6-0, and they won the Super Bowl that took place in the state of Florida this season. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 6-0 and with the fact. Super Bowl taking place. And actually, forget, and this, all, forget, you know, we talked about the R. Forget R. Your, your new nickname is Fact J. I mean, I forget the R. You take away the R. I mean, you have these 
obscure facts that I would never even know about. So okay. glad, glad to be colleagues with you. Glad to be friends. I'm happy. Happy birthday. I know it is your birthday, too. I probably buried the lead on that. What are you? It, it was last week. Uh, for everybody right, ripe, ripe 31-year-old. Pete didn't text. Pete didn't call. It's fine. You know, no big deal. No grudges held. Related. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but anyway, uh, Pete, okay. So congratulations to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, very excited to see their season continue to unfold, as is the case with the Tennessee Titans. But my God, Pete. The Atlanta Falcons did it again. I, I just, I, and it's no longer like, you know, like if Julio Jones were the guy, it's like, okay, the ultimate Falcon is falconing, right? Like it's, it's systemic, but no, it is, it is spread. The falconing has spread to the newest star, if you want to call him that, for the Atlanta Falcons, Todd Gurley. Mm. Ugh. Tries not to score a touchdown, helps fantasy owners all over the world, uh, yet unfortunately spells doom for his team. The Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford, two teams wearing all gray on Sunday in Week 7 <laughs> in the Seahawks and the Lions. But these Lions, they managed to get the dub 23-22, to the final score. I have no words. I really have no words for what Atlanta is able to do now. Weird to say, but I was thinking a lot about Bill Belichick. At the end of this game, and I know what you're wondering, what in the world does Detroit and Atlanta have to do with the old sweatshirt? Well, RJ, as Belichick struggles to right the ship in New England for the second week in a row, a Belichick disciple makes a brilliant coaching call. They tricked Todd Gurley, allowed him to score a touchdown only to win. They went so far as to like not just make a wide open hole. They were like, let's just trick his mind. We'll touch him as he goes into the end zone. And he couldn't. It was muscle memory. He could not stop himself from going into the end zone. This is awesome. This is goofy. This makes me want to skip work and play Madden all day with a pencil in my ear and a dream. Gurley's quote after the game. I was mad as hell. I was trying not to score, but my momentum took me in. It's kind of crazy. Well, I will say this, Pete. I know you thought about Bill Belichick, but he he pulled the same move off, although it didn't work for him. Super Bowl 40... Against the Giants. Yeah, 46. Is that 46? Ahmad, I think it was Ahmad Bradshaw. It was Super Bowl 46. Backed Ahmad, his way into Ahmad Bradshaw tried to sit for the Giants. The Patriots let him score. Ultimately, were unable to, to complete what the Lions did, but yeah. And and we've seen Todd Gurley be aware of rules before. He's He's gone down the one and caused the fantasy discussion people act like Todd Gurley was the person to pioneer that no no sir they make it about the Cowboys for you Brian Westbrook 2007 it hurt that's the Jessica Simpson game baby but anyway kudos to the Lions I mean th there were people Pete before the season started I know kissed among them uh that thought the Lions could be serious playoff contenders some people thought they might win the NFC North that was before they're not out of it they're, they're not I mean I don't think they'll win the NFC North uh with what Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is doing but but yeah kudos to the Lions I'm happy for Matt Stafford I got a couple more takes in this game I think the Lions ought to be giving DeAndre Swift 20 carries a game and save Peterson as your fresh horse or for short yardage to me Swift looks like a running back who if he can just get into a rhythm might be one of these Ram-like backs that you could see and flash a bit more. Not, they play, he plays with the Lions, Pete, not the Rams. I understand, but I, I know that, mm. that McVay loves to go with this hot hand type of deal, and sometimes you see different backs emerging out of there, but you need to get in a rhythm to do so. I don't love that they give them 10 carries each either. Biggest offensive contributors in this game, Galladay 114, Julio Jones for 97, Calvin Rid Ridley 69 and a touchdown. To me, the sign of a star wideout is getting attention and still being able to have production. I thought Ridley did a nice job showing he can still be productive when he's getting the attention to men on him. He had a touchdown called back and did such a great job when it came to getting an angle away from the double coverage inside the pylon. Worth a note, Lions defensive end Romeo Aquara had two key sacks in this game, one that forced a fourth down and one strip that forced a turnover both in the second half. Being a Falcons fan, 
it's the most miserable situation in the league. When you're a fan of a team like the New York Jets, for example, you know you're going to lose. It's over. You actually maybe want to lose because guess what? Then you're maybe in contention for Trevor Lawrence. It doesn't really feel like Sam Darnold is it. So there's a little bit of like rooting against your own team going on. The Falcons find ways to give you hope every week and then find a new outrageous way to lose. It is Charlie Brown and and is it Lucy? There's no situation fan wise than Atlanta right now because they're still trying to win too. It's not like they're like sucking because. No, I think they're still going with Matt Ryan. They're still going to try to let the new coaching staff decide what to do. They're not in it for a new quarterback or anything like that. Hopeless and miserable, and I would almost stop watching if I was an Atlanta Falcons fan. I will give the Atlanta Falcons this a baby yeet of the week. The gradient uniforms did not look as bad as I thought they would. (laughs) I thought they looked bad. I was actually (laughs) going to mention to you, I forgot about that point. Uh, That is another point of being a fan. Like They might have the worst uniform in I did not mind their uniform before the switch. I had a friend tell me once that, and I agree with this, that they hated like matte helmets. You know what I'm talking about? But yeah. that but that matte black does work for the Falcons for some reason. The helmet's fine. I'm not a fan of the chrome, but it's it's fine. But the gradient just, I mean, again, it didn't look as bad as I thought it would. Uh, but maybe that's because the Lions had those horrible all gray get-ups on the other side. I mean, it, this was this was hard to literally watch. You, you talked a little while ago about Steven Guskowski and Psyche, whatever. At, at this point, it has to be a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like at this point, at this point. <laughs> How are we going to lose this week? Right. Like at this point, you were like, nothing we do is safe, right? Like you were the ultimate punchline in that respect i i believe that the falcons have lost three games where they held a 99 percent win probability in the fourth quarter uh which is truly the most atlanta falcons thing possible i wonder what dan quinn would have to say about this game but obviously uh you know he'll, he'll reserve his thoughts for his future spot where he's an awesome uh defensive coordinator somewhere that they show in the booth and they say, oh, there, there, you forgot about him here. He's still in the league. And now he's an assistant with the like Steelers or something. All right. Well, uh, we have a few more things to get to in terms of what happened on Sunday on week seven. But before we do, we're going to take a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Welcome back, everybody. The Atlanta Falcons just lost again. No, just kidding. Although I'm, <laughs> they, they might have. I'm not sure. Soon. Uh, okay, Pete, let's talk about the uh, the Cleveland Browns. Have you seen uh, – there is this image. I first saw it on Reddit. Uh, yes. It, the, Cleve- the Baker Mayfield cycle. Right. Be, beat a sorry team. Get overconfident. Play bad. Uh, use underdog mentality. You know, it's it's an endless cycle. And we have reached the point where the Cleveland Browns have beaten a subpar team, the Cincinnati Bengals, the same score from the uh, game of the season in our estimation. In fact, I'm going to also say that Seahawks Cardinals as a whole gets the heat of the week. But the Browns beat the Bengals 37 to 34. Just before we started recording, Pedro, it was reported by ESPN's Justina Anderson that Odell Beckham Jr. has torn his ACL and is out for the season, your thoughts on Baker's brownies? Well, Dell can't catch a break, and I feel bad about that. Just a guy with supreme talent, a little bit of maturity issues early on, which hurt him. And now it seems like maybe he is a little bit more mature, and now he just can't stay healthy. It is one of those careers that you're just going to say, oh, if this guy just could have had it all together. But hope to see him rebound. I know that there's a lot of mental stuff that goes into rebounding, and, and he's gone through some of that already. So wishing Odell the best. But yeah, this Browns-Bengals matchup, I thought the cool thing about it was over the years, if you would have looked at the schedule and you were like, oh, the Browns are playing the Bengals, like in a million years, you would never have watched 
that game. Like Brian Hoyer, Brian Hoyer versus Andy Dalton, for example. You know, like it was your classic Thursday night football game in right. in early December where you were like, uh, I'll go have dinner with some friends. Right. <laughs> yeah. Know? There's no reason you're gonna stay home right. and and eat at home or whatever like that. Baker Mayfield and, and Joe Burrow has changed that. Uh, to me, this game was a little Mayfield in a microcosm. He looked pretty bad at the beginning of the game through an interception on his first pass attempt, I believe. Burrow looked to be the more clean and polished quarterback. Then as the game went on, Mayfield settled in and looked pretty good. Uh, The 24-yard game winner with 11 seconds left was as on the money as you can get. Sure, I I get the sense that Kevin Stefanski's offense is just working with Mayfield, trying to figure out how to make him better using a lot of play action. I had mentioned McVay. I'm thinking maybe Mayfield could be better and certainly maybe like a more clutch version of what McVay likes to maybe see in Jared Goff. Mm -hmm. I think Mayfield is a better quarterback than Goff, and he's in a similar type of system that really works for him. Rashard Higgins was a go-to guy for Mayfield in this game, 110 yards. I love that Jarvis Landry is becoming this change-up QB that you see sometimes. He had a trick play for 19 yards. Kareem Hunt is still one of the most fun players to watch in the league, in my opinion. Tyler Boyd, he's become Burrow's boy. He's uh, a, which, he's an under he's he's what Tyler Lockett used to be. Like, exactly. like that underrated Just guy. Nobody knows really much about yeah. him. Uh, in the slot, a bunch. Burrow predicted prior to the season that he would have this huge year and everyone was just kind of looking at him. He had 101 of Burrow's 406 yards on the day, three touchdowns and a pick that was tipped. Uh, So I, you know, I kind of give him the benefits, benefit of the doubt, 112 uh, passer rating still. I have something about the Bengals. Oh, I I just see it. I have a bold prediction here right now. They're one, five and one. Okay. Don't Don't do it, Pete. Don't. The Bengals are one of these teams that are going to have a surprise win in the AFC. They have the Titans and the Steelers next. Dare I say, maybe they're the first team to knock off the Steelers. I bet they get one of those two games. That would put them at 2-6-1. and one. Then the next four, listen to this, 2-6-1. and one. Washington football team, Giants, Dolphins, and Cowboys. Those are all wins for Joe Burrow. I'm sorry. So then they face the Steelers week, fif- week 15 at 6-6-1. Six, six and one. Six, six, and one. The last three games are Steelers, Houston, and Baltimore. Burrow might have a chance if he wins two of the three or three of the three where the Bengals make the playoffs and are this tough out because all of a sudden now Burrow has the experience of a second year quarterback. That seventh AFC team and NFC team, I guess, changes the game for a team like the Bengals who, yes, it looks grim now, but if they can get one of these next two, it's right in front of them. Thinking off the top of my head here, right? Well, because we, we've your your top AFC teams, your division winners are the Chiefs, the Steelers, yes. the Titans, and we'll say the Bills still, right? Um, I mean, they they won. No reason not to pick the Bills. Who's who's your next team? You've got the Ravens, obviously, are, are your top non-division winner. Um, sure. I I think so. That's one wild card spot. Tight. Who's who's even going for the second wild card spot? Like to to your point. Yeah, potentially the Raiders, maybe the Colts they find their way in the mix. Maybe the Chargers. I mean, you know, we'll see what Tua does. But you're right; those two, and that's why I think that lends credibility to my theory. It's like those two <laughs> AFC spots are going to be wide open. Like, why not Burrow? And Burrow looked pretty good yesterday. I understand that they ended up getting this win, and that hurts tremendously. But there is a path here. Again, you got to win one of these next two really tough games. 
those next four are really winnable football games with a, a good quarterback, which I think Burrow is turning into in my eyes. I think there are times where, like Baker Mayfield's rookie year, when he came in against the Jets on Thursday Night Football for Tyrod Taylor, and, and almost immediately there was this cementing of, he, you know, we hit it, right? He, he's the guy. And then there were struggles. I don't know of a number one overall pick that people have felt as good about seven weeks in as the Bengals have to feel about Joe Burrow. He, he is, but without question, the real deal. You're right. The, these these moments, the, the loss against the Colts, the 21-point comeback, those are all lessons that are really valuable to learn your rookie year. And, and I think that, you know, I think Joe Burrow's real deal. Uh, Gio Bernard started this game. Shout out to uh, your, I know you're always looking out for the fantasy people. You got to. Joe Mixon was not a part of this. We'll see what his status is moving forward. It is a bummer to see Odell gone for the season. You mentioned Hollywood Higgins. There is a debate Pete and obviously we'll get to see how this plays out with Odell now gone for the season that Baker is better without Odell Beckham Jr. that maybe his presence just wrinkles up the offense in a way that doesn't work for him I I sense sometimes that you take a good player out of the lineup and it becomes more balanced I remember in the early days of covering Andy Reid I started in 14 this was pre-Mahomes and in like the Smith and Jamal Charles day days Jamal Charles was so good that if it turned up on the stat sheet that he only had like 12 touches and the Chiefs ended up losing that game, the question would always be, why didn't Jamal touch the football? Sometimes you eliminate that player and then there isn't this pressure to like get Odell the football. You can kind of take what's in front of you. You know, like you can run with Kareem Hunt. You could get Peoples Jones and he could be the hero. Higgins could be the hero in another game. Landry is like just under that elite level. So there isn't that pressure of getting Landry the football. Odell comes with that. So I, I I know it does sound crazy, but there is something to that, in my opinion. Well, shout out to Jamal Charles. Shout out to Alex Smith. Shout out to Dwayne Bowe while we're at it. You know, the right. older Chiefs, um, obviously looking out for you guys always. But um, OK, AJ, AJ Jenkins, even. I mean, right. <laughs> yeah. No I mean, name. Of course. Trent Green while we're at it. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, the Pirate Bowl. There was a lot of, you know, talk are about- you ready to talk about the Pirate Bowl? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we found out before the weekend began, will have Antonio Brown sooner rather than later, but they did not need him on Sunday against the Las Vegas Raiders. It was initially supposed to be the Sunday Night Football game, obviously adjusted for COVID reasons. The Bucks, Pete, 45-20. to 20. Tom Brady's uh, status as an elite quarterback of the NFL is alive and well. Tom Brady is, it seems, back. I don't know if he ever left in a sense, but it seems like things are finally clicking with Arians and, and Tampa. I want to talk about more something else other than the game, because we know that this was just like a trouncing of the Las Vegas Raiders. This is a storyline that has transcended really the teams, in my opinion. It's this Brady versus Belichick thing that everyone's talking about. Brady is so much better off. Belichick doesn't know what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. All right. Look. In defense of Voldemort, who, of course, is Bill Belichick in the NFL. He who must not be named. I don't think people should weigh in on the Belichick side of this until he's able to get a quarterback again. Brady has such an advantage here. He could just pick any other team, and he just so happened to pick the team with the most explosive weapons possible, a fantastic young defense, and a front office who said, yeah, you, you can bring in players because we've seen that with Gronkowski who now, after five weeks, is finally in football shape. Gronk was not in shape the first four weeks. That's that's the bottom line. He is now, uh, so that's helping. And Antonio and, Brown, obviously. And Brady yeah, brought in now Antonio Brown. You can't just get a franchise quarterback similar to like the Brady decision. I think we just have to wait 
before we crown Brady the winner of this like frenemy battle. Let's see who Belichick's next drafted quarterback is or if they are able to sign, sorry, RJ, a Dak Prescott or something like it. Um, A side note, the Raiders coming back down to earth pretty fast after their personal Super Bowl victory over the Kansas City Chiefs uh, (laughs) off the bye week at home and embarrassed by Tampa Bay. Antonio Brown's going to make that team better. You got to win, though, because you have some personalities there that have been upset before, like Evans, like Godwin, a little bit less, I think, with Jones. But Fournette, if you're losing, Fournette maybe can start chirping a little bit, too. Now you got a lot of personalities in that room. Uh, We just talked about how Odell needs the football. Brown's another guy that's going to want the football. I understand he's all happy. And again, the Chiefs get away with all these big players in their locker room, you know, covering them because they win. If you don't win, if you have a four or five game losing streak, you start to get these little droplets and text messages to the Josina Andersons and the Ian Rappaports and the agents. And I, I'm going to say right now, Pete, I'm going to offer you offered, a, I think, a great prediction that the Bengals are the team that finally knocks off the Steelers. I'm, I'm not quite I know you're not totally like camping out for that, but I'm not quite with you. But I can see that totally happening. I think I predict of all the names you mentioned that are associated with the Bucks, you didn't mention LaShawn McCoy. I think there's a LaShawn McCoy comment that's like, this is the best team I've ever been a part of. You know, this, <laughs> this, this is the greatest quarterback I've ever been around that, that will incite Chiefs fans all over the world. That's a, a possibility, especially if the Bucks are able to make it all the way to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs and you have... In thou- Tampa Bay, by the way. A thousand hours of media. So, you know, a comment like that is bound to happen and you know... Uh, Mike Florio will be all over it in about three seconds. So, yeah, I could see that happening. That's probably a better bet even than the Bengals. But I'm going out on a limb uh, for my Bengals. They're, I guess, going to be my AFC team number two, as I'm declaring right now. And uh, winning times ahead for uh, the Burrow uh, following that I am now, again, developing. We now know the Supreme Pirate in the NFL is the Buccaneer. game was mostly forgettable for Las Vegas. You're right. They have regressed, have come back down to earth. I think they're still a good football team. I'm I'm very interested to see where this team continues to go. I know there have always been questions about Derek Carr. They, they are just a forgettable team. You know, they're, they're a flash in the pan, and then they're gone. Uh, they're the perfect team for Las Vegas in that particular regard. No, nobody, you know, you don't talk about what happens in Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, whatever. <laughs> well, Derek Carr will have these type of games. It's not like he's never had a good game. It's I just, know. And but- ne- it's, it's never repeatable. It's like Derek Carr playing football is like when you're a beginner, even an intermediate at playing golf, because you'll have a great hole and you're like, man, I, I just hit the ball magnificent right there. Wow, that was a fantastic putt. Then you get on the next hole. And you just can't repeat the process and you're in the water or you five putt. That's Derek Carr. Oddly wise from you, Pete. You know what? You are the third yeet of the week. So congratulations to you. Uh, The most illustrious honor that this show can present to somebody you've earned. The yeet of the week goes to the Pete of the week. And as it should, if there's going to be an additional award, uh, secondary award two, of course, to come up of the week. I'd like to be in that mix, and I'm glad that you were able to award that to me. Are you ready for some quick hits? Or I'm, a, I'm always ready for some quick hits. We can start with the fact I mentioned it at top. Um, I, I would not be doing my job at SB Nation if I didn't mention the Dallas Cowboys. Andy Dalton knocked out of the game against the Washington ugly. football team. Uh, an ugly hit, as we both mentioned. It is a shame that John Bostic, it appears, will not be suspended. Pete, this Cowboys defense is awful. This, this, <laughs> this Cowboys offensive line is awful. Um, I do want to get your thoughts quickly on the anonymous report last week that there was discontent in yeah. the locker room that that started but what I really want to hear from you on is after the game Michael McCarthy was asked about the hit on Andy Dalton 
and about no Cowboys players kind of getting in Bostic's face. And he said that's not what you would sort of expect to see. Kind of called out his players for not going to bat for their QB. Your thoughts, Pete Sweeney? If we just went in on being an Atlanta Falcons fan, being a Dallas Cowboys fan is not too far behind uh, with this disaster situation because you just hired a coach, so you at least got to give him, I would think, two years, right? I mean, you have to give a new coach that much time. And it seems like there may be a scenario where he's already lost the locker room and now he's firing back on the media. We saw this in the worst days, the end days of the Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy situation. Meanwhile, you have Dak Prescott, who is a generational, I would say, franchise quarterback who they won't pay and didn't pay. And now it's a weird situation with that. Andy Dalton, who seemed at least what serviceable, who knows how long he's going to be out. Concussions are very odd, depends on the person. And you have a kid in there who... You know, this is a huge moment. And ben Danucci. The kids are calling him the Nooch. You're your running back who is, of course, a, a weapon and, and one of the better running backs in the NFL has a fumbling yips type problem. And there's no solution in sight. And everybody, the problem, I think, too, is is in these situations when you're in, in, in a, a bad situation, like two and five, you want to try to keep everything in house. And the Cowboys are anything but that from the top down. So this turmoil is going to be very public, and I just don't see an end in sight anytime soon. And I'm sorry that you have to cover that, RJ, but that's just the reality. I, I think if Mike McCarthy's process, if you want to call it that, is going to take hold, it's going to take time, and it's going to be very painful, and there's going to be a lot of change. And Because these problems, Pete, these are not new. Um, you know, th- It's not like the Cowboys won the Super Bowl and Mike McCarthy touched them and, and everything broke. I, I think there's some quit on the Cowboys, on the on the Cowboys players. I think that they do not respond well to being punched in the mouth, so to speak. I, I think that no. they I think they lash out. I think they point fingers. I think they look to blame anybody that is not them. And I think perhaps one day we will look back at all of this and say this was Mike McCarthy weeding all of that out. But again, that's a painful process. I don't think there's anything right now that's more demoralizing than losing to the WFT. I mean, yeah, and you not only lost to them, but it was twenty-five to three. And I understand the quarterback got injured, but still, like, no, I uh, mean, they they had season highs on the ground. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the Cowboys are the get right team. That's that's who they are. For the first time in NFL history, each team in a division has fewer than three wins. The two and four one Eagles are first in the NFC East and are in line right now to host a playoff game on Wild Card Weekend. The NFC East, Pete, has as many wins as the number of week that it is on the season. They have what? seven wins combined. <laughs> what is the winning number of wins in this division right now? What do we think? Seven I, or seven? Six? I think it's seven. I think. I mean, seven I think somebody nine. gets because they're going to play each other. And in fact, the NFC, seven, eight, and one. The NFC East is awful. And um, we just saw an incredible game on Sunday Night Football. Next week, baby, Dallas Cowboys at Philadelphia Eagles. NBC, primetime. Rare, rare that we don't dive into the games of both our teams. I do want to say one thing about the Chiefs. The Chiefs are quietly having their offense being stalled, and it's not really noticeable because they're 6-1. 0-for-8 on third down yesterday. Andy Reid, as I've covered him, as I've said, sometimes has these offensive lulls. I've seen it before where play calling gets brought up and, and so on and so forth. I bet the Chiefs will find their way out of this. Uh, but will it cost them another game before they do? And then the I one t- seed or something? Yeah, I could I, see that. I tend to think no. I don't think it'll cost <sighs> them a game because they're lucky they're playing the Jets and Panthers next week. If they were playing two really formidable opponents in the next two weeks uh, before they're by, 
I think there would be maybe a potential another slip up. In that same vein, happy to admit right now, happy. Los Angeles Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert's playing like the best quarterback in the AFC West. Uh, these are the teams who passed on Herbert. The WFT, the Lions, the Giants, and the Dolphins. Uh, Washington aside, uh, these programs are all good with their quarterbacks for now. Uh, but let's say how that decision looks in about three seasons because Herbert looks legit. And I understand it's only been a few games and we got to see how he does as a sophomore. Uh, but really quickly, it became obvious after the Tyrod Taylor disaster that they had to play Herbert and he's backing it up and they finally got a W. It is amazing because I agree with you. He's played incredibly well and he just now got his first win um, just because of the way things have unfolded. It's, it's really- On the other side of it too, Minshew may be done, which is another incredible odd scenario considering they signed Nick Foles and then sent him away because they apparently believed in Minshew uh, and now they're getting ready to play Mike Glennon like get hyped what the New England Patriots Pete have lost three games in a row for the first time since 2002 wow what was the top hit in 2002 maybe my maybe my boo by Usher I would say something by Ricky Martin I would have to think um, ba, ba, da, da, ba, ba. Was a long long time ago um pete is looking uh, that here we up. go uh, complicated by by avril lavigne why um, you have to go Eminem and make his heyday, so? uh singing without me hey lose yourself was the top song according oh, to the records shout out to the 313 2002 so patriots bad for the first time in a while uh the buffalo bills look fallible pete uh, there was there was a moment where it looked possible that the New York Jets might get their first one of the season, but the, I think the Bills. That I think that's the mark, and it sounds strange, of a good team is you, you find ways to win when it's not going your way. You stack those wins up because they all count. I think the Bills are still the heavy favorites in the AFC East. I think they'll get right, um, and and hopefully Josh Allen returns his MVP form. Well, they have another opponent, and one we know nothing about right now in Tua and the Miami Dolphins, who are still very much alive. And being in a game with the New York Jets after a dismal performance against the Kansas City Chiefs does not necessarily give me confidence. That being said, there's going to be different types of games in the NFL, and a win is a win, as the cliche cliche goes. But I think it might be more interesting between the Bills and a team we haven't really talked about, the Tua Dolphins. I'm excited about uh, Tua's debut next week. Well, we will certainly talk about it on next week's episode of Monday Football Monday. Hopefully, Michael Kist is back to join us. Pete, it's always a pleasure whenever we get to chat. I will see you on Slack, on text, uh, I'm sure on billboards all throughout the Kansas City metropolis. Everybody have a good week. Make sure to listen to the oddcast. You know, there are right guys themselves. Yeah. Uh, sure. so, so shout out to... <laughs> Mix it in, I guess. Shout out to the if you're not if you're not doing anything else. Yeah, I mean, you know, subscribe, rate, review, certainly. Uh, but you know, if you can listen to the podcast, but always listen to Monday Football Monday. We'll see you next week. P G N.